Awesome. Here we are for the very, very first uh, Connect episode on the We Are Unlimited podcast. So the whole point of Connect is having interviews with, I meet cool people all the time doing amazing stuff in the world. And the point of Connect is really so you can meet these people too and maybe help them uh, to connect with the people that they need to meet or whatever. Who knows? It's really just to help people get their stuff out into the world. And um, and I connected with a wonderful, wonderful lady called Lindsay. Um, now, over to you. Is it Wisner or Wiesner? It is. It's okay. It is Wisner, thankfully. I think Wiesner sounds more <laughs> awkward, but no worries because it's spelled funny. So, okay. So, Lindsay Wisner. Um, and I'm going to actually let her tell you what she's up to because uh, she's got a few things going. But um, yeah, tell us what, tell the audience what you're up to in the world at the moment. Lindsay, what's floating your boat? What are you passionate about? Oh my God. I So every time I talk about what's going on, I feel like I sound like I'm in the middle of a manic episode, like bipolar one. And that's because I'm a psychologist. So that's why I specify that ridiculousness somewhere in my brain is also probably the ICD 10 code. It doesn't matter. Um, so I'm doing a lot of fun stuff and I'm really excited about it all. As you know, I, uh, let's see, I have a podcast called, uh, neurotic nourishment. I started it with a, one of my favorite people, I'm trying to wean out the use of the word best friend because I feel like it's, I don't know, I feel like it's like a, it's a bad idea. Like it means like you can only have one. And I think that favorite people is so much more inclusive and appropriate for adults. So one of my favorite people, uh, Sharon Sapir at Sapir Nutrition. Recently, she quit on me at the worst possible moment. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm going to call that out. Absolutely. It was amazing and Helen knows because we were I like I told her I'm freaking out I'm losing my am I allowed to swear yes oh thank god I'm I was like losing my shit when Helen and I met because I was moving I'm now in my new home I think when we spoke initially I was on the floor of my office trying to use the internet um and my computer had broken we were closing on the house my parents were in town and then my, I got this like Dear John letter from my co-host and Dear John being like a breakup thing. I don't know if it applies. Fine. Fantastic. So I had this whole mental breakdown where I called like all four people that I know that are listening to my podcast and was like, <laughs> can I do this on my own? There's a little more than four, but I still like to think of it as four. And I had a conversation with my husband, who's never listened to an episode, but mostly myself. And I was like, and this exact thing you said, like, I love meeting people and talking to people and getting inspired by them and learning about things that I would not normally have the opportunity, time or effort to, to learn about. So um, I'm very excited about my podcast. We're starting to talk about really uncomfortable things. Um, Such as? Oh, so a few weeks ago, I had a good one. I happened to come into contact with a fellow mom, and uh, she has a podcast, and it's a she's a young black female, and she has a young child, and we we reached out for different purposes to like cross promote, and we ended up talking about the differences between being a black mother and being a white mother in America. And one of the things I asked her is like am I supposed to say black or am I supposed to say African-American? Because my brain goes all over the place. And I, I'm sure the answer is different from, 
for everyone. But as a white female, I've never had the balls to ask the things that come to mind, you know? So that was pretty cool. And then um, last week I had a much less or a much sadder, well, I mean, racism is sad as well. But um, I spoke to a woman who had lost her child to a genetic disorder early on. And she's now a grief counselor. And um, she is starting a podcast on the anniversary of her child's death. And I kind of cried the whole time. Like, a freak. honestly, I am a, what you see is what you get. And I cried and I'm okay with crying, but I also learned a lot. And one of the things that I learned was euphemisms, you know, like don't use pretty words. It's death. Like say they died and, and say their name, you know, um, the mom's name is Christina and her daughter's name is Isabella. And I, I even asked her about is versus was, and I want to, I want to keep asking questions and also keep following through. So, cause it's tough and it's scary and, um, it's a huge growth opportunity for me personally, professionally also, but personally I feel the, like the stirring and the excitement most, I think. I also have a book coming out. It is my first my first attempt at nonfiction and my first published book. And that is because I have a fiction author and I've written many novels and none have gotten published. But <laughs> <laughs> yet. Um, yet I have a fantastic agent. I just need a publisher. But um, this book is called, and this is where I hold up my little sign, 10 Steps to Finding Happy, A Permanent Guide to Satisfaction. And in retrospect, I think it's more, I think the title should have been changed to Finding Happier because we're not going to be happy every day and that's not realistic. Um, I'm also doing a lot of work lately with mental health awareness, in particular, I guess, suicide prevention awareness or suicide awareness. It's really important. I work with a lot of suicidal teens right now in my private practice. I stumbled into a niche I never thought I would have wanted because, you know, the potential for disaster is is fraught, but uh, no one else wanted it either. And I grew up in like a chaotic environment and enough so that weird shit happens and it doesn't phase me. And you can tell me that you're having thoughts about suicide and I'm not going to send you to an emergency room. I'm going to ask you questions. And so it's made me really good at what I do in this niche. And so my desire with this book is to use it as a platform uh, to to destigmatize mental illness and also to sort of, you know, I've coined this hashtag 10 steps and the stigma. It is clearly a self-serving book promotion in part, but it's also, I want that self-serving book promotion to result in people asking me why, you know, like not why do we need to end the stigma, but why, why shouldn't we overreact or react to when people tell us that they are having thoughts about hurting themselves? You know, I want to start a conversation about the difference between thoughts and actions. And, um, and I think when we shame people for their thoughts purposely or accidentally, we end up with more dead kids. And I don't want that. Yeah. Should we dive into this topic a little deeper? 
you can do it. Let's do Let, it. Let's do it. Um, so, I mean, we're here in New Zealand and I, you know, I know youth suicide is a problem all around the world, but it's, you know, it, it is a problem here, um, especially in, in the Maori community. What can you, what can we do as, I don't know, like what is the advice that you can just send out to our community from what you've learned so far um, in your practice? Like you talked about the difference between um, thoughts and actions for starters and how shaming, shaming kids for their thoughts is ending, actually ending up with us ending up with more dead kids. Um, yeah. What can you, yeah. What, what do you just want to share with us? So listen, if you are a, teenager or child and someone tells you that they are thinking about this by all means react as you should and tell an adult but if you're an adult and someone tells you about this about thoughts about hurting themselves killing themselves there's other signs to look for um uh, you know i am a professional i've been trained i'm gonna ask have you thought about how you would do it you know and a lot of times i get this well, if something just happened to me or if I got in a car accident or something unlikely and something that um, like passive that they wouldn't cause. And I think that's kind of like the what if I got fired fantasy. Um, unfortunately, I can't get fired or I can, but not in that way. But, <laughs> you know, but like if I got like or my husband has this like what if I win the lottery fantasy. And it's just. It is literally like what Freud would have referred to as a fantasy. It's an exploration of an idea that is not necessarily an intent. And I think those are fine. Those are like intellectual, or they can be intellectual entertainment, intellectual exercises. If, if someone has a, a, you know, well, I would, I would shoot myself. Well, do you have a gun? You know, or like, do you know they have a gun? Because that, that ups the ante. Um, I once knew someone, it was a young child and um, young, like I think eight or nine. And they said that they thought about it. They had a plan. They were going to stab themselves with a knife. And I happen to know from previous conversations that this kid can't cut pasta with a knife. And so, although it's horrible and frightening and, um, and sad and requires immediate attention, my my main concern is not that this kid's suddenly going to learn how to hold a knife and manage to get it through the chest plate. It's really that this kid feels so awful that these are the fantasies. People who are going to commit suicide, actually going to, they tend to have a plan. They've had it for a while. They also, uh, like, they have an idea of, like, a day or a time or who would be home or who wouldn't be home. They also have like an, it's an intent, which is tough because someone could lie to you, but you know, it's sort of like, it's tough to tell, you know, every Sunday night I have an intent to lose weight as of Monday and I'm going to cut out carbs and go to the gym and I have a plan and yet it doesn't happen. And the truth is it doesn't happen because I don't really want it to happen. But if I wanted it to happen, I would probably, I mean, my kids would kill me, but I would, ooh, bad choice of words, but I would get rid of all of the, uh, the sugar or the pasta or the potatoes in my house. 
you know, it's someone who's actively taking steps to make that come true. The same way, like if you want to be a, an actor, take, take acting classes, take those active steps, you know, you want to look for all the things that come before. Uh, people that are suicidal also tend to give away some of their personal items. And it's a deliberate process. Um, you know, it's, I won't be around, so what will happen? Fortunately, most suicide attempts are not successful. Unfortunately, particularly with women, because men are much more decisive, they're going to use an actual weapon, whereas women are going to sort of rely on something more passive. Um, but we need to find a way to know what we're looking for in order to prevent it. Sure. So it's, listen, it's really tough. It's really tough to talk about. It's not tough for me to talk about it because I do it a lot. And I had a fantastic moment where I had to call one of my patients psychiatrists yesterday to talk about something and to talk about the upcoming appointment. And I kind of felt like I had to explain why I wasn't more alarmed, you know, by the patient's admitted suicidality. And he is about 20 years older than me. He's obviously been in practice longer than me. And to hear him echo my sentiments of like, react, don't overreact felt really good. Like maybe we're on the right page because if you send someone, someone says they want to hurt themselves, you overreact, you send them to the, or you react as, as you see fit as a professional or a friend or um, parent, you send them to the hospital. 90% of the time they spend seven hours in a hospital, leave being confused about why they were there and why they left. And if they're feeling depressed anyway, they'll paint this label on themselves that they were hospitalized when really you weren't hospitalized, you were dismissed. You know, you were declared to be safe, but you leave feeling like, wow, I thought I was doing okay. And it turns out someone thought I needed to go to the hospital. So something needs to be done. Um, and I don't know what it is, and I don't think it's one thing. I just want to spread awareness that. You know, and that's the other thing. If you tell someone that you feel like hurting yourself and they react like this, you're not going to tell anyone the next time you feel like that. And then you're more alone. And then there's really more of a chance of you hurting yourself. So, yeah, I can really see the importance of just opening up <clears throat> the conversation, you know, removing the stigma. Um, <laughs> I was looking forward to this conversation today because your brain with my brain ends up with a conversation that jumps all over the place. And I'm which really I, I'm sorry. It's my ADHD no, 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 and no, my me meds. Too. Okay. Cause my meds wore off. And my <laughs> no, it's hilarious because, because the people, there will be some people out there that will just get it and follow us. And then the analytic analytical types out there will be like, Oh, what's going on? So I'm in this conflict at the moment. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Mention No, talk about, let's take it wherever it is. Okay. Because... Okay. All right. So I got to try almost make notes. So we're talking about stigma, but also you mentioned um, the first lady that you talked to um, about um, white Race. woman versus yeah. White woman versus black woman. And, and I, I, I did this thing um, cause I was crying on a live, uh, on Monday and um, I knew I was going to, and I'm totally fine with that. And um, 
That's what I did with the woman who lost her child. Like, yeah, I, it wasn't is, live, but I'm not editing it because it's it's pure. No, well, so, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I cry, right? And I'm a crier. And then people reach out to me. They're like, "Oh, Helen, I'm so worried about you." And I'm like, "Don't be worried about me because I'm actually crying. Like, this is good. This is the whole story was about how I connected with this piece of music that was enabled that and unlocked something inside of me that." that allowed me to cry for something that I thought wasn't, I wasn't worthy of crying for. Okay. Cause I'd, I'd what had does that this, mean? All right. So, so about, I don't know, it was about two months ago now, maybe I had a miscarriage and um, like sorry. I, and thank you. And you know, I deal with subconscious reprogramming. I deal with emotional processing and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, this is big stuff and I'm just going to let it all out. And because I let it all out and my brain is kind of primed in a way to process stuff once it's come into what we call our active experience. So I knew if I can just let it all out that it's, it's going to be fine and I'm a powerful human being and this is how I process emotions. So anyway, I did all that and it was great and um, great in a, in a way that people that deal with psychology can understand. Um, <laughs> so but great in a way that people should understand. But people should understand. Yeah, absolutely. So um so where I'm going with this, I kind of got to a point where I, f- I could tell that it had, I had processed it, you know, to the point that, you know, I still had baby inside of me, but I needed to go to the hospital to take the pill to, to have it come out. And I was able to very calmly explain this in a video, which I never shared with anyone, but I was like, let's see, you know, have I processed this? Yes. I, you know, and I'm still fine. Like I can talk about it. Sometimes I get a little bit sad, which is fine and normal, but I was driving in my car after I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of feeling okay about this. You know, it, it happened and, you know, I'm grateful for the experiences and, and everything. And then I started crying again and I was like, well, what's that about Helen? Um, and I realized that I was, and I'm still getting a little bit emotional, but not as emotional as it was the other day. So I've processed. I'm, I'm okay with your emotions. I know you are. And I'm okay with my emotions too. So yeah. Not, I mean, I'm it not, doesn't make me feel uncomfortable or worried. It makes yeah, me interested, I'm not stuffing intrigued them down. to hear the connection. Yeah. I was just measuring them. I was like, oh, yeah, still a little bit there. Um, so, but then I was in the car and I started crying again. And I was like, what is that about, Helen? And I was crying for, out of empathy for the version of myself who had not allowed herself to cry for miscarriages of business dreams and, you know, and hopes and and things like that because I'm a middle-class white woman and I've got everything going for me. And who am I to, to feel bad about hopes and dreams that didn't come to pass and friendships that fell apart and things like that. And so that was, that was quite interesting. Um, so, so I'm making you absolutely con- just brought something up in me. By the way, I just oh, really? felt like an yeah. I just felt an emotional. We sound like two psychics, like lousy <laughs> psychics. But um, no, but I absolutely just felt a tug, and I was like, oh. I hear you. Like the times when we're not allowed to be, uh, you know, I like I grew up in a suburban household. Like everything looked fine on the outside. My father's a doctor. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. It wasn't what it appeared to be, and I. Anytime I can, anytime I spoke up about, you know, what was actually going on and it wasn't something like, uh, it wasn't abuse of any sort, but, um, I felt like I wasn't allowed, wasn't heard, wasn't understood. And when I was going on first dates in my twenties, on my first date, I would dump all my shit on the table. 
Like, here's who I am. Dump that shit on the table and uh, see if someone could handle it. But it sucks that I couldn't deal with it myself then and not have to try to gain acceptance because that's what dumping it on the table was, you know? It was trying to gain acceptance and approval and love from someone else. Um, So it it definitely just brought up something in me because you're right. I do... I don't know. Well, you're right. And also I relate to sort of mourning for my younger self who didn't know shit. So, Mm. and it just goes to show that, you know, I guess the, uh, this live that I was doing, I was trying to articulate because I wrote this beautiful, I can't even say it was beautiful. It just flowed out of me. It wanted to come out this article, blog article about losing the baby. And, but then I wanted to write about, I wanted to articulate this other thing that, you know, that pain is pain and just because we've got so much to be grateful for doesn't negate the pain either. Um, so anyway. No, but I agree. I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's exactly what you're saying, you know? Um, and also, also I think miscarriage and infertility, not that I'm saying that's what it was, but like in general, just grouping any sort of like as women, we don't, talk about these things particularly to other women and we're the only ones that will understand and at the risk of totally embarrassing myself and totally going to a comical level um i so you've had children Uh, yeah i've got two children and as you know sometimes if you sneeze at the wrong time yeah i call that sneeze a pee but only to my female friends. <laughs> and the other night, it was, I think it was Sunday night, my husband and I were home and I changed into this cute pair of matching pajamas. And then I sneeze peed. And so I went and <laughs> changed my bottoms and I come out and he, thank God. And I'm going to, I'm Jewish. And I'm going to do like the messed up sign of the cross, but um, thank God that he didn't, whatever. He doesn't know what a sneeze pee is. I've never addressed it with him. There's never been any need. It's embarrassing as fuck. But so I changed my bottoms and he goes, oh, I was going to say, thank God he doesn't listen to the podcast. That's where I was going. But he goes, oh, are those different pants? And I said, yeah, the other ones just didn't feel comfortable, you know, because like there are things we don't talk about or we only talk about in small groups. And like the sneeze pee is a funny thing. Miscarriage and infertility and like the shit that our body goes through is so much bigger and yet if I can't talk to like my husband my partner my most of the time best friend about a sneeze pee um it uh you know it it sort of it just shows you how protectively obsessively closed off we can be as people yeah absolutely and and you know when I put that out there and I I felt that it would help people that felt like it was something for them to be ashamed about and something to keep quiet about and something to, for some reason, you don't want to share your emotions about it for some reason. Like it's just something that happens. And I was surprised to find out how many people it happens to as well. Um, So I guess where I'm going with this is talking about the stigma firstly about, I guess, showing our emotions and uh, crying you know, is, is a good thing in letting stuff out. And I'm, I'm trying very badly to, to also connect that with the stigma of just talking about uh, suicidal thoughts. It's the same thoughts. thing. It's, it's um, easily, it's very easily connected. Well, you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, I mean, I see it. Uh, I think you're struggling because you're, 
because you still feel a little sad and you're still a little emotional thinking about what that, that one experience that, that brought it on. I think you're struggling, but I think it's really clear and I think you're doing a really good job uh, explaining, executing it. You know, for me, um, I grew up with a parent who is uh, mentally ill and also uh, has a substance abuse problem and has also attempted suicide numerous times. I am talking about it now because A, I've realized that my parents don't pay enough attention to what I do to know that I have any sort of public persona. And B, it fucking sucks that at uh, 17, 18, when I was first told that um, m- my parent tried to kill her- themselves and it was my fault, I had no one to talk to about it. Mm. Um, and there have been so many more after. And I was, it was a secret to stay quiet. No one was ever like, you should go to therapy. Thank God I became a, a shrink and therapy was, if not mandated, strongly therapized. You know, Yourself. Yeah. Oh my God. I did 500 hours of four times a week therapy. I'm still crazy, just a bit less so. Um, but we're all told to keep it secret. You know, I have a, one of my children is on meds for depression and ADHD. And I think we spoke about it, you know, before we started uh, recording. That's actually how I discovered my ADHD because I was, I was filling out the form. I was like, fuck, this is me. Um, but uh, my, my spouse would want no one to know anything about this. And once again, doesn't listen to my podcast. So good for us. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's the kind of thing where maybe if we had been more open as a family growing up, I would have had more help that I needed. You know, I would have known that... Um, I don't know, that there was someone to listen, that someone could hear me, that there was something else. You know, I remember I used to cry so easily when I was talking to my uh, one boss I had early on in my career in particular. And this was probably, let's say, 15 years ago. And I would just cry whenever he spoke to me and it was frustrating and I always felt... And recently I reconnected with the woman who was my supervisor at that time. And we were talking about the fact that this guy was just like a misogynist and there was all this stuff going on. And I wasn't in touch with myself enough or comfortable with myself enough to know to trust my gut. And I think part of what you're talking about with your experience is that you trusted your gut. You know, you knew that it was a good thing that your tears were flowing and I know when I'm working with my patients and like knock on all the wood in the world, you know, it's like a superstition. Do you do that in New Zealand? Okay. Yes. It uh, is. Yep. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Now you know. Um, I know. But at the beginning of this, I was like, do you have typhoons or hurricanes? You're like, we have volcanoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I am dumb and can't math and figure out time zones as you know, as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that if we could be more comfortable with our own feelings and comfortable with other people's, we'd just be in a better place. And I don't mean like kumbaya. I just mean, hey, I feel like shit today. Watch what you say to me. I'm going to be sensitive, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I know that we could talk forever and maybe we can do another round of this because uh, I have a I have a confession that I've got a chocolate tart shell that I need to make before 3 p.m. because I also teach children how to cook in the afternoons. <laughs> and, um, and when is it coming to me? 
uh, when you coming to me for me to give the chocolate tart to you. Okay, I will come to you. I actually am <laughs> curious about New Zealand, except for the um, volcanoes, but yes. That's right. We'll so I was going to say we'll stay away from them, but actually I live underneath one, so I can't really make any promises. This uh, is not going <laughs> I was I was so excited because I had no idea where this podcast would end up. Right. So what I'd like to do. Volcanoes and chocolate tarts. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> what I'd like to do is if we can wrap it up for now with being more open with our feelings, maybe just generally, like I know, you know, and I've been through a lot of struggle in my marriage and I always made a point to if I was arguing in front of the children that I would make up in front of the children as well. It's called repair. It's, it's like huge an attachment theory. It's, it, it's not, it's not where you fuck up. It's, it's how you repair it. Well, that's not, it. And just to, not, not word for word, but yeah, yeah. But, and just to make that visible, you know, and to make that maybe some, maybe, maybe a little, yeah, just like I said, make it a little bit more visible um, so that they can see what that looks like. And maybe we can exemplify just having conversations that are a little bit tough, a little bit more, a little bit more publicly um, to start taking that stigma away. So can we wrap it up for now? And I might, I might even, um, join these together as like a part one and part two. And you asked me, you asked me if I could attack you halfway through. And I said I was going to, and I am going to, and it's a nice attack though. (laughs) No, that's not fun. What it it is. I want to know, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is a piece of music that you absolutely adore and why? So, This is actually very funny because if you check my Twitter feed, you can verify this. My kids and I watched Mamma Mia today. And um, the song that makes me cry is at the end where um, it's, uh, I can't sing, so please don't make me, but it starts with, if you change your mind, I'll be first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. And I'm even getting emotional talking about it because, because I think in retrospect, I, I definitely needed someone to believe in me and I've always needed someone. And now I have those people, my husband, my children, my friends, but, um, God, the high school performed Mamma Mia two weeks ago and I bawled my eyes out. At the end. <laughs> and by the way, I did my dissertation in music. So for part two, that's something interesting for us to talk about. Let's do that. So before we go, though, how can people get in touch with you? Because even if, like, I know I'm busy, you're busy, and maybe we might have to wait for part two. Um, How can people get in touch with you? How can they – we'll definitely put links into the show notes for the podcast, which is Neurotic Nourishment. You got it. Is that right? Neurotic Nourishment, right. It's um, So you can find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Whatever the other seven platforms are, I don't know what they are, to be perfectly honest, but um, good. But like we all pretend we do. We're like, yeah, all of the, wherever your podcast can be found. Um, Neurotic Nourishment. And I am also on Instagram at Psych Shrink Mom. Also uh, at Neurotic Nourishment and also at 10 Steps Finding Happy. I do feel like I'm having a multiple personality disorder sometimes. <laughs> um, you can also find me, uh, actually find me at any of those places. I'm also on Facebook at uh, Lindsay S. Callen. No, no, Twitter at Lindsay S. Callen <laughs> and Facebook as Lindsay Callen Wisner. And I'm always happy to hear from someone and if you would like to help me spread the word on March 20th, 2020, reach out to me on any of those platforms because I really have this fantasy about like 
turning on social media on March 20th and having people go like this with 10 steps and the stigma. And it's not about the 25 cents I make per book. It's really just about uh, starting a conversation and hopefully getting the attention of someone who can make a change. Cool. So let's, let's definitely do a part two. Like you've just told a success goal, a goal, a success coach, a goal with a date and now I'm on it. So. Damn it. Okay. Keep me to it. (laughs) All right. So, well, it's happening and we'll do a part two and we'll talk more about uh, who and how we could help get the word out for March 20th. Please, because I Um, I am winging this. So, yeah. We're all winging it. Don't tell anybody. Okay. Yep. We kind of get a little (laughs) bit, we get, we get, we get better as we go along and figure things out. But, you know, we're all, we're all growing and there's always greater heights to get to. And we're always in a, at a stage of winging it, it feels like. So you're doing great. It definitely does. So thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So I'm going to drop all those links uh, in the various places, definitely on Anchor FM. um, And then I'll probably put this up on YouTube and on my Facebook and in some of our Facebook groups. And um, yeah. And tag me in it, and uh, we'll share together. Let's do it. Okay. Sounds good. Go to your go to your tart, and let me know when you want to uh, to do this again. I will for sure. Thank you so much, Lindsay. You're one of my favorite. Thank people. you, Helen. Okay. <laughs> Sounds right. good. Bye bye. Okay. See ya.